This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years travelling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. Wednesday mornings mean Wayne Goldsmith and Wayne's World, the website, of course, wgcoaching.com. So much good stuff on there. You can lose yourself for an hour or so just sort of clicking around all the great articles and pieces of advice that uh, that Wayne posts up there. Um, we're all still coming to terms with the fact that the All Blacks got knocked out of the Rugby World Cup. What about the fact that South Africa got up and beat England, Wayne? Yeah, I don't know if a lot of us saw that coming. I was lucky I was there in... Wellie and saw South Africa play the All Blacks. And remember, it was that sort of nothing game. It was that, well, will the South Africans take it that seriously? And are we all just looking at a uh, a little bit of a hide-and-seek type thing where no one was going to declare their hand because they then knew it was going to be the first game of the World Cup? And, you know, the, it, was, it was hard to even look at that and say, yes, well, there were some signs there that that was the next rugby world cup champion but you know then look back over the last few years they went from uh relatively hopeless four years ago they were really struggling they were battling in the rugby championships and there's been a steady build where they've got stronger and stronger but look i don't think too many people are going to honestly look in the mirror and say yes i predicted that they would be the force that they were and but you guys have probably been dissecting this all week but the, isn't it funny that we talk about all the fancy things in sport and altitude and and uh, technology and virtual reality, but in the end, England beat the All Blacks by just getting up and working hard and doing simple things well, and then the South Africans did exactly the same to England. It wasn't anything fancy, wasn't tricky, wasn't um, tactical genius. It was just a bunch of people getting up and working very, very hard to get the result. That uh, you know, it was just simplicity, really, wasn't it? But uh, yeah. Great work to them. Mm, absolutely. Lots of big men going uh, at each other in that final and, in fact, right across the Rugby World Cup. And that leads us into our topic for today, which is about the size of athletes. And, and look, there's no question that if you compare the size and uh, and just the, the sheer, um, you know, well, the sheer size of players playing rugby in rugby league these days with uh, the size of those athletes 20 years ago, they are definitely getting bigger. Um is this something which, which um, I guess, leads us to think about things like genetic profiling, Wayne, as, the, as you look at a, at a young athlete and think, well, they're going to get to that size, so they're worth investing a bit of time and resource in? It's a fascinating topic, isn't it, Pony? That I, I know when I first started doing the consulting work that I do, and I'd be in an AFL dressing room, and... You know, there there was obviously outliers, very, very tall and relatively short for an AFL player is about seven foot tall. But but there there was, I I remember remarking many times that if I was in a dressing room of a super rugby team or an NRL team or an AFL team, there were very, very clearly body types. And of the three codes, the rugby guys were the biggest. They were definitely, because at the time, rugby league, were moving towards mobility. They were looking for agile and speed and players that could play basically any position, do anything, regardless of where they actually packed down or 
where they were numbered. But it's it's an interesting and and almost carrying on from our discussion on high performance sport. If you were trying to identify athletes without the ethical, cultural, religious, societal factors behind the scenes, genetic profiling will probably give you some pretty good insights. We already know. Excuse me. For example, that we can through genetic profiling identify the muscle fiber types that that athletes will develop and that'll give an indication of whether or not they're more endurance-based or speed-based. And some of the genetic stuff's been very fascinating. The counter side to that is, is that we're human beings. And whilst genetics will, genetic profiling will give you a very, very clear indication of whether or not someone's going to be big and tall and strong and fast and all those things, there's always that element of desire and passion and commitment and will and perseverance and family and all those things in the background. But it's a fascinating argument. Yeah, and, and it's something you've talked about a lot too, particularly with regard to junior sport, uh, Wayne, you know, talking about uh, just the absolute need not to covet physical prowess at a young age. But surely if if uh, senior players are getting bigger, then that's going to that's gonna trickle down and people are going to covet physical size, strength and speed in the early teenage years, for example, which can't be a good thing, can it? Well, it really can't, Pine, and that's, the, that's, again, the dilemma that we've got is that, and we often talk about that multifactorial development model of athletes, physical, mental, technical, tactical, environmental, and genetic, and we look at, well, what can we manipulate or what can we easily change? Now, I'm a big believer you can coach mental skills, mental toughness, a whole range of those things. We can teach strategy and tactics. Those things take time. They take a lot of effort. They take quite often a lot of expertise. With respect to the strength and conditioning community, getting people bigger and stronger is relatively easy. I'm not saying it's you go in the gym and you just suck on the pounds, but it's relatively easy. And it's been known for a long, long time. And an old friend of mine showed me a book once about improving strength that was written in the mid-1920s. And even at that stage, the author was talking about, European author was talking about progressively building up the amount of weight that you do, changing the the focus of the, the strength training and the type of equipment. I mean, 1920, this has been known for a long time. And if, if everything being equal, physical training, we know without doubt it's the only thing that's been proven conclusively to produce great results. If I'm bigger, faster, stronger, more fitter, more agile than my opposition, balance of probabilities in most situations I tend to win. The problem is exactly as you said, if I'm talking about a super rugby team, well, yeah, sure, it's a great strategy. Bigger, stronger, faster, more mass, moving faster, creates more carnage when they go forward. If I start thinking I've got to get my 12-year-olds bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful, more robust than every other 12-year-old, to me it's a road to disaster. It's not going to win generally very well. What will rugby, rugby league, the other football codes look like in the future, Wayne? Are we really at the point where all we're going to see is is guys over 6'2", 6'3", big muscle-bound men playing all the positions, you know, like New Zealand fans will remember the, uh, you know, the all black side of the late 80s where Terry Wright was on one wing and he was about 75 kilos if he had rocks in his pockets. Are those days now just gone? 
That that is the, really is the million dollar question, isn't it? That I, I, there's a, a friend of mine who's very very committed football coach, and he said the beauty of the football world cup, the FIFA World Cup, is that you get to see where the game is heading, because usually the quarterfinalists and semi-finalists are setting the tone for where the game is going. He said if you're a coach and he works with elite level with A league level here, he said if you watch what the coaches and what the players are doing, semi-final, final, quarter-final of FIFA World Cup, there's some very consistent factors around the pace of the game or the strategies or the defensive patterns. And he said, for coaches like me, I look at that and say, ah, that's where the game is going because they're at the peak. They're the ones that really understand the game and have got the time and the energy and the resources to think about it a lot more and analyse. And he said, that's the best thing about as a coach watching the FIFA World Cup is that say, okay, well, the game is heading that way. The defence looks like it's going to be whatever they call it, 2-5-7 and seven or whatever they, they talk about in football terminology. If you take the same approach and you look at the Rugby World Cup, what did we learn? Unbelievable fitness and conditioning. I mean, the intensity that semi-final was played at was mind-blowing. I I think I said to a rugby mate here, I said, I think we're 10 years off but not to play at that intensity for that long. So clearly that was a message. And then South Africa reinforced that. So physicality still vitally important. Secondly, the ability to do simple things well under pressure. Now, if you look at England in that first 10 minutes, I'm sure they had that, that injury that might have upset them a little bit, but they were dropping ball under pressure. Their passing was Awful. Some of their execution of simple skills, you can't blame on fatigue and you can't blame on anything other than emotional pressure. So what I'm saying, and Eddie Jones talked about it a lot throughout the tournament, the emphasis on mental skills is about to go through the roof. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody is looking for an outstanding sports psychologist and they're very hard to find, but someone who can really work with players and coaches on improving mental skills, it, 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 that that really stood out. There was the, the the message that I got was the 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 incredible physical, the endurance, the speed, the strength, endurance of those athletes was remarkable. Secondly, the mental toughness, simple things done well under pressure and fatigue. The other thing that came out to me, Piney, was using defence as an attacking weapon, and that's both semi-final and final, using defence and tackling and, and, and defensive pressure as attacking weapons to apply mental pressure to force mistakes to give opportunity. They're the lessons that we got out of it. I think rugby league, rugby union is very different. I think rugby league have sent a message that they're, it's not always about size and strength. They're looking for players who can be in a, you can be a forward and you can kick, you can be a back, and you can take the ball up and stick your head in the scrum. I think they're looking for more uh, complete athletes, if you like. They're looking for genuine athleticism, and people can play any position, anywhere, any time. That seems to be a clear message coming from them. But that message around athleticism, uh, around fitness, physicality, mental toughness, and then using defence as an attacking tool, that was the clear messages I think we got out of Rugby World Cup. Just another side issue on the size thing, Wayne. When you've got big, big men running at one another, close quarters, big collisions, which we do have, and, and anyone who's spent any time 
close to the sideline of these games, you can hear the hits going in. Uh, is there is there a need to be aware also of the of the physical damage that these massive men are going to be doing to one another? Well, that brings in the whole complexity of of the concussion issue, the safety of sport, and then the role of parenting. As you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, of what's happening to sport, the numbers are decreasing in competitive sport. There is a couple of huge exceptions. I'm doing some work here at the moment with Touch Football Australia. Their numbers blew my mind. They are showing reverse trend. And I thought about, well, Touch Football's an okay game. It's good for fitness and having a bit of fun with your mates. But... Think about what's happening. You're still playing footy. You're still hanging out with your friends. You're learning to get fit, but there's very, very limited contact and collision. It's short. It's explosive. It is probably a game for now. That's quite interesting on its own, just thinking about that. But what are the implications for all these kids who used to play 13A, 14A, 15A rugby at school, mum and dad are now thinking, oh, yeah, that's pretty good, but I don't want little Johnny, little Susie to come out with head injuries. I'm going to start pressuring the school to have my kids in touch football because they're still playing football, but it's a lot safer. Now, that's a social, uh, family, cultural type shift that I believe we're going to see stronger and stronger. It definitely is not going to help the numbers for NZ Rugby, for the NRL, for Rugby Australia. The, 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 the numbers that I just saw with Touch Football were quite mind-blowing and of most interest was the number of schools that are taking it up as their number one football code, even in preference to soccer. That's wow. quite fascinating. I would imagine New Zealand would be very similar. Yeah, that is that is quite a quite a uh, well. I mean, it could, it could see a sea change. Um, you're and not just the not just the parents, Wayne. I know we're, a lot of concerned parents, and that sort of led to the uh, that that over here in New Zealand, you know, soccer is the number one junior sport, and a lot of that is attributed to parents who would rather that their kids were playing that rather than one of the collision sports. But also, once you're old enough to actually, uh, you know, make these decisions for yourself, a lot of people are going to say, you know what, I don't want to get smacked into by a by a six-foot-four giant full of muscle. And it's a time thing too, Piney, isn't it, that if I'm 16, 17 years of age and I go, yeah, I really want to play 15 aside or 13 aside in the case of rugby league, and then I go, hang on a minute, I've got to train three nights a week with the team, plus mm. I've got to do another two nights in the gym. That's a huge time commitment. Or I can say, no, 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 I can play touch footy. I can just have a quick training run with the mates on a Tuesday night. We play on a Thursday night, and I'm still playing football. I'm still getting fit. I'm still having the ball on my hand, which I've always loved to do, but I don't have to now spend 10, 12, 16 hours a week getting ready to get smacked around. Interestingly, I think, and certainly New Zealand are doing it, I'm sure all, all these announcements are either being made or they're coming. Well, I think what we're going to start to see more and more in that 16 years age group, rugby league certainly looking at it, is an age and weight combined philosophy. So it might be 16 years and older and 80 kilos and under. It'll be some sort of model like that where the sports, will, we've got to give opportunities for these guys and girls who want to continue to play our version of uh, the sport, a collision sport, who want to get in it, but they don't want to absolutely get monstered around the field and don't have to get bigger and stronger. They can just play being based on skill and speed and agility and a love of the game. And one of the messages coming out all the time, our point is the flexibility 
of the sports just to get people out playing. So I think we'll see a lot of sports responding to the falling numbers by saying, all right, well, sure, there's an area, the elite guys, bigger, stronger, faster, all those things, but we've got to provide better opportunities for those who still want to play but don't want to be absolute physical beasts. Fascinating uh, topic as always, Wayne. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. The time flies all too quickly as per usual. Have an excellent week, mate. We'll uh, catch up again next Wednesday. Can't wait, mate. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com. dot